Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 321. Oh, look at that. Sequential. Is a, a, a fancy that. I'm Peter, everyone, and welcome. Matt's also here, as always. Yep. That's the descending number order. Yes. I feel like I should have done something special. I didn't, it didn't occur to me. It was just 321 in my head until I said it all. You are the list master, so this is definitely shameful of you because that's a natural countdown. As as a countdown, I'm I'm ashamed and uh, just appalled at my own deeds, words and deeds. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this is a DC Comics podcast. Uh, we get together, we talk about comics uh, that came out this week, uh, particularly DC Comics. Coming up on this week's show, we have Superman World War Apocalypse. Oh, sorry, War World Apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> issue one, uh, which is the finale to the to the arc, and then we also have the Flash Annual 2022 uh, with. Uh, well, it still ties into the ongoing story, but is a, a bit of a also a kind of a gimmick issue in a way. And we'll get into that when we get to mm-hmm. it. Uh, I've got a couple of Patreon books. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, only two new issues this week because it's a week five, and uh, none of us wanted to read the Wonder Girl. And we'd considered the Bell Reeve special thing, but uh, it, it did not materialize. So yeah, I opened it up, and it was the, um, a Gotham Academy story, which I haven't mm. read any of. So, I, I could not. Yeah, so, we have um, a couple of Patreon books from me, uh, American Vampire and Animal Man, uh, as per usual, uh, which I saved for the week five, just because, well, it made sense. Uh, there was a little bit of news, though, as well, uh, on this week's show, so we've got that. Uh, but, of course, there is always time for the Comixology Top 10. No? Not agree with that, man? No. Because oh. now how, how it goes, like, there wasn't a lot of DC, so you're going to pull from uh, from Tuesday, right? Yeah, like, if I just split it up into the days now, yeah. uh, it's just DC's books that I can tell. But there is 10, actually, technically. Right, it includes trades, <laughs> but there is 10. Yeah, because I, I, I'm looking on League of Comic Geeks, and there's seven. <laughs> they have listed for... Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of trades yeah. in here, uh, so... By hook or by crook, it's getting to 10. Uh, I mean, there's only a few choices for what number one could be, Matt, if you'd like to hasten a guess. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that it's uh, Superman War World Apocalypse. It is Superman War World Apocalypse, uh, which is the $7 special, as opposed to the $6 mm-hmm. annuals, uh, which number two is the Flash annual. Uh, so, nice. You know, the two we read were one and two, so that's great. Uh, number three is Wonder Girls annual. Uh, which you know we didn't read because we we kind of dropped that book mm-hmm. and it was very much a continuation of that book that was that was on uh, a while ago now but it was running for about yeah. a year. Uh, actually, that no, wasn't that. It was like seven issues ago. Yeah, it was like half a year. And it was kind of a mess. There's a you know artist changes and yeah, and it went, all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah, ended into a crossover and then this is yep. kind of the 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 next thing back. Uh, so number four is the Sandman Universe uh, book, Nightmare Country. I meant to get caught up, and I saw him behind me one, so it's a shame. Yeah, and then number five is Harley Quinn's, uh, the animated series, The Real Sidekicks of New Gotham Special, issue wow, one. Wow, over, over the annual, I'm shocked. Yeah, I, I guess, because it's completely standalone, maybe, versus an annual, maybe. which is still kind of tied to an ongoing series, maybe I that's mean, why. Outside of Harleen, the Harley Quinn TV show version is my favorite, so, I mean... Maybe I'm not alone in that. Uh, maybe. Uh, number six is the Saved by the Bell Reeve uh, special. So, cool. Wow. 
Uh, and then number seven is the Harley Quinn annual. So that is all your single issues. And if you're wondering what makes up to ten, because there is ten here, uh, we got Batman 89, the trade. <laughs> we then have Harley Quinn, the animated series uh, trade, uh, the previous series. And then Batman's Mystery Casebook, which is one of those young adult graphic novels uh, which mm. came out. So that that is how it got to ten somehow on DC alone on a week five, hooker by crook. Uh, so yeah, weird top 10, not much to read into, honestly. Um, other than, like you said, maybe the Harlequin special outdoing the Harlequin yeah. annual. Maybe that's slightly notable, but, I mean... And, and if we were going to take in all the other ones, too, there was two X-Books that came out that probably did pretty well. Well, no, I'm going to tell you about the, the rest of them in a, a second. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's just choose these DC books, because they, they separate them now. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, if you look at Wednesday and look at all the other uh, publishers coming in, uh, just to quickly run down that. Uh, yeah, X-Men 14 is number one. Um, number two is Amazing Fantasy 1000. I feel there's some dodgy numbering going on here with this. Yeah, I'm going to click on this to see where this came from. <laughs> I don't believe this for a second. Oh, wow, it's Hickman too. Neil Gaiman's in there. There's a, there's a yeah. bunch of people. So I think I didn't even see this at my shop because I might have picked this up just because of of the significance. But yeah, I can't even tell. Oh my god, there's so many people. Yeah, it's a big specialist. Like, but yeah. it says that the comic that brought you Spider Man hits issue one thousand. But how, this hasn't been going, has it? Like, when was no. the last time there was an Amazing Fantasy? <laughs> no, because they did do what was the the Loki book that was I think Tales of Suspense. Yeah, so that was, some, that was the, the yeah. one that Thor was tied to, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I, I know that was, but I don't ever remember seeing an Amazing Fantasy, so... This, this is what happens when we're not looking through the Marvel solicitors. This will pop yep. up and we're like, what the hell is this thing? How did that come to be? I'm, I'm going to look this up real quick just to see what how they got to the not, numbering. Madness. See, unlike DC, Marvel don't schedule strictly to a four-week schedule, so they don't tend to have quite a week fives because they'll just have right. they'll just have a different schedule every month anyway. So they'll just fill it with stuff. So there actually is enough here to mention. In fact, I think all of this top ten is Marvel. None of the indies uh cracked the top ten on Wednesday. Hmm. Well, at the time of recording, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, round down the rest of the top ten. Number three is X Force issue thirty-one. Number four is Knights of X, issue five, which is the final issue of that. Uh, number five is Thunderbolts, issue one. This is a five-issue mini, not an ongoing. Number six is The Variants, issue three. Uh, that's Gil Simone book. Yeah, uh, doing the, um, what's her name? Uh, Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones, sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, oh, and I told the lie, there is a non-Marvel book in here. I never noticed this one. Uh, number seven is Power Rangers Unlimited. Hey! I don't know what that is. Well, I know it's Power Rangers, obviously, but... Uh, Power Rangers Unlimited, the Death Ranger issue one. Ooh. Very fancy. Sounds like another uh, nickname of John Moxley. Oh, very the good. The Death Ranger. Uh, number eight is Ant-Man, issue 204. I was going to pick up the first issue and I forgot. Now there's two to get. Yeah. It's a shame there's a lot of characters now who can't get ongoings. They just have to accept minis for, yeah. you know, whatever reason. Which which makes it easier for me because then I'm only buying, you know, five and six at a time instead of committing. So, you know, but the the covers on these just alone, I, I like the way they look. 
yeah. pretty much show. So, um, but I like Ant Man as a character. Nick Spencer's run was pretty fun. I don't know if you had read that. I uh, did read um, some of it at least. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really fun and heartwarming. So. Yeah, and apparently I'm blind because the last two books are also not Marvel. Well, actually, no, that's that's not true. That's not true. Star Wars is still Marvel. This one still counts. Uh, Obi Wan issue four, so that still counts. Uh, number ten though was the Magic Order though, which is the Mark Miller book. Uh, issue oh two boy. of that. Coming to your TV soon, I'm sure. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, Star Trek Picard Stargazers number eleven. Um, so I just throw that in just to give you something else that's not Marvel or whatever so uh yeah um not um you know weird week weird week obviously marvel had a full week but dc definitely did not because dc schedules so strictly for that four week period in a month that whenever we do have this fifth week we just get like ah, a couple of annuals maybe a special mm-hmm. you know that's, that's always what they do and depending on what books the annuals are for we are either already reading that book or we're not. So, yep. That's how you end up with these weird week fives, which probably means tangent on this episode. So bear with us and just enjoy the <laughs> the ranting. You know, it would be nice. I'm looking forward to next week, and uh, it would have been nice for them to move some stuff around. That's all. I'll tell. I'll, I'll tell you what's coming at the end, next week. Yep. At the end of the show, Matt. Don't don't jump ahead. I'm just saying it's a it's a busy week, and you know. Some of these smaller books gonna come out. There's no, no jumping ahead in my schedule, you prick. I'll not have it. So yeah, there is some news though, actually, bizarrely. Uh, news. This week. Yeah, there's a few news things. Uh, so bit of flash news to start off with. Uh, and I assume this is December because we had November slices already. Yeah. What I say. Uh, we have Flash going back to twice a month. And we have it happening with an arc, and it's still Jeremy Adams on the book who's still doing this, uh, but they're doing an arc called One Minute War, where the entire arc takes place over a minute. At super speed, obviously. <laughs> I-, I like these gimmicks. This is a fun gimmick for The Flash. This this makes some sense to me. Um, I like the idea of it, and I, I suppose the joke of the books need to come out quicker, because <laughs> the-, <laughs> the whole thing's taking place over a very short span of time. Uh, is is kind of interesting. It is curious. This is the first time they've had a book go twice a month since the blanket stopped. Obviously, we started rebirth with a lot of the books being twice a month. Mm-hmm. It kind of thinned out over time. Um, the one notable exception that launched it twice a month again was when Snyder did Justice League. Um, but by the time that wrapped up, that was it. I think. I think everything stopped being twice a month by then, and it was fine. You know, sure. Uh, so it is interesting to see them experiment again with just one ongoing book going back to twice a month. And it's not even one of the bigger, biggest ones, you know. It's not Batman. It's not tech. It's no. It's Flash. But, but I like that with the gimmick, with the um, with the style of it. So it's a you know, what'd you say, the hundred second war or the minute war? One minute war. One minute war. There you go. Um, that that it's coming out, you know, relatively quickly. So um, I I think I think they can do stuff for like this because tech was double for a while like during or it was weekly for a while i mean it was really for that one yeah arc for yeah. that event so so i think if they do it where it needs to i think it could work but no man jeremy adams is really you know 
hitting hitting that flash sweet spot for me, so I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, there's no indication, I don't think, yet, if this is something that's going to continue after the arc, or if it's just for this six-issue arc, we'll get three months of double shipping, or... Yeah. Well, and I'm assuming it's six, I don't actually know, I'm just guessing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm not against some books being double shipping, I'm really mm-hmm. not. Uh, it just, obviously, there's certain books that have great artists, you don't want the artist to have to swap out too much. Um, right. But then sometimes it happens anyway. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about the end of the War World saga uh, later today, and there was no Federici in sight for the final part of it, which is a crying shame because yes. it felt like it was his, you know, book from an art perspective for that arc. And then, he, you yeah. know, he just kinda, he's not one of the four listed. Yeah, he just kind of swayed away from it, so it was a shame. Uh, but yeah, so there you go. Uh, Flash One Minute War later this year. Interesting premise. Uh, next up, um, this is just a sort of business side of things, but I, I felt it was worth mentioning because we've talked about the, the bigger parts of this in the past, which is the DC are adding another distributor for the direct market comics. Yep. Um, they're keeping the ones they've got, they're not getting rid of them, uh, but Universal Distribution, a Canadian company, has been added to the mix. Uh, they're known for comics and tabletop games, and they've been doing it for about 30 years. Uh, they've signed a new global agreement on September 1st, which goes into effect in October. Under this new agreement, starting in October, retailers can order DC uh, periodicals, collected editions, graphic novels that go on sale beginning January 2023 and beyond through Universal Distribution. Um, so, Universal Distribution will not be the sole direct market distributor for DC. The publisher will also continue its relationship with Lunar Distribution and Diamond UK for direct market sales. Um, I wonder if... Um, like, maybe Universal Distribution have locations that the other ones did not. Yeah. You know, like maybe, maybe this is like extending their reach so that they don't have to import from another distributor that doesn't actually natively come to them. Um, right. Obvi- and obviously you could say Canada because it's a Canadian company. I don't necessarily think it'll mm-hmm. just be Canada, but no. uh, I do wonder if there's parts of the US or maybe parts of uh, international, you know, territories well, that... Yeah, where it might be easier than yeah. Lunar. Um, yeah. Because, um, I mean, you'll notice there it says Diamond UK still. So yeah. Diamond are still the distributor in the UK. Uh, right. Just because, the, the, you know... The but I wonder if are... this is a step to break free from uh, Diamond UK. Maybe, yeah. Maybe eventually. Yeah. Um, But it is... It's interesting. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I felt like it was worth mentioning. And then the other bit of news, which I wasn't even thinking about this, uh, but uh, they've come out and confirmed there will not be a DC fandom this year. So oh, we had boy. one the last two years. They sort of did it because of the pandemic. And then they had one last year again, even though things had kind of opened up a little bit anyway. And to be fair, I think in both years, they actually did have an impressive amount of different things to show. You know, they tended to show a couple of the big video games. They showed a couple of movie trailers. They showed a bunch of stuff in the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a reasonable amount of things. Now, of course, this does come at an interesting time because we have all this turmoil over... Uh, disco- you know, Warner Discovery cancelling Batgirl and the jeopardy of future projects being kind of up in the air and things like that. And now they're saying here is to focus on other events. So, you know, they'll be at Comic-Cons, they'll be at other, you know, t- normal things because they're all back on now. Uh, and maybe that's the case. Maybe they just don't want to do it because of that. What's interesting to me, though, is if they wanted to control uh, the narrative a little bit and, like, wanted to protect themselves from hard questions... I would almost argue that doing their own event where there was no press <laughs> would be the easier choice because you have to wonder if they're going to like you know, New York Comic Con or I don't even know if yep. that one's happening, but you know something like that. 
they're open to people asking some tough questions about, hey, we're, we're all concerned that uh, nothing's happening, you're cancelling everything, where's Batgirl, uh, you schmucks, you know, so on and so on. <laughs> so, uh, maybe this is a more honest thing to do in a way, maybe it's just a simple case of it costs too much money to do it, and they'd rather not spend the money because let's mm-hmm. face it if one thing is consistent about the new warner discovery is that they are pinching pennies uh wherever they can so yep yeah i don't know any yep. thoughts on Dragon, dragons cost lots of money so they have to pinch elsewhere is that a game of thrones reference that that is which i still haven't watched and you know what i feel good no one's rushing to spoil it it's so nice mm-hmm. there you go. I haven't, gonna, uh, go ahead. I haven't watched it. Uh, I, I was forced to watch the Lord of the Rings pilot, but I didn't have to watch Game of Thrones, so... How was it? It was Lord of the Ringsy. <laughs> I'll never forget when you went and saw The Hobbit 3 and were telling me about dragon sickness and I thought you were making stuff up uh, on our old show. Uh, so. Hobbit 3 is like a blur. And yeah. I don't think it could be edited other than a blur because it really is like 10 minutes of story stretched out to two and a half hours. It is. Yeah. Oh. And I just I just remember you telling me that and I just going, yeah, not not sad that I missed this. And yeah, no, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm happy that, that people are, uh, are watching it. And like, that's cool. But I put Lord of the Rings in the same camp as I put Star Trek. Like, I'm glad you guys are enjoying it. I'm never going to get there. So... Also, you said the Lord and the Rings there, which is a very different... Well, my throat also hurts because I was yelling too much playing football this morning. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. It's the Lord of the Rings. So it's like a Lord's inside a wrestling ring or something. Yes. Lord in the Rings. Hey, give give, give Regal time. Mm. Uh, yeah, so that, that's it for, for news. So, I mean, nothing super, like, Earth or exciting, I, but... M- movie-wise, you, you're, you're tapped in more. Did something bad happen with the actor that's playing the Flash, who I'm not naming on purpose? Did did he get into trouble again? Uh, I didn't notice anything this week. Okay, because I thought I saw stuff, but I didn't know if it was old news. Um, that just didn't go reported. I I didn't notice anything this week, but okay. I mean, I, I'm not gonna say they didn't yeah. or did. Yeah, because I, just, I, I don't know. I thought that I might have saw it, so but I'm not certain. So. Yeah. Nah. Nah, nah. Now, I had to watch the Lord of the Rings pilot and was painfully bored uh, throughout that. I tried to be as objective as possible in my review. I did what I could to, you know, make it clear what my bias was and, and g- give the facts. But uh still got a dislike in the first, like, minute <laughs> of it going up. Yeah, but this one's being extra. <laughs> like, I don't want to get too much into it. But I did see that they've turned off reviews on a lot of stuff because there's a lot of people that are upset over stupid things. Um, oh sure. And, and giving Amazon a hard time, so it was it was bound to happen. Just you talking about it because it's it's a super tense thing. But yeah. Yeah, but I do open the review by saying I don't like Lord of the Rings, which I think probably rubs certain people okay. the wrong way immediately. Yeah, but like there's certain things that you don't like that you do still come around on. I do give you credit there. You know, like, you're not big on Marvel, but you seem to enjoy Miss Marvel. You know? Well, I enjoyed half of it. The middle half was terrible. Yeah. So, be, I remember you telling me the first episode was good. The first episode was good, yeah. The first yeah. episode was very promising. Because I, I asked you if I should watch it, and you were like, yeah, it, it's pretty good. I think you'd enjoy it. So, you know, I, I do got to give you credit there, that you, you don't automatically just shut off and go, I don't like Lord of the Rings. This is automatically terrible. 
You're just like, hey, I don't like Lord of the Rings. Hey, the production value is sky high. It looks yeah. pretty reasonable for a t- for a TV show. I'll say that much. They they spent a lot of money, arguably too much money on a TV show. Uh, Bezos has got money to burn. Uh, he does. He only you know his yacht has a yacht that carries his helicopter. He's running out of money to spend stuff on. And then living in a place where currently energy is currently con- labeled a crisis because the the, the yeah. prices are skyrocketing uh, every few months. Uh, Bezos, how about you uh, help the world? <laughs> that, that would be nice, right? Shoot, I saw someone here in, in Las Vegas had an $800 power bill. Oofed. Yeah. This is why I keep my house dark and I keep my air conditioning set high. <laughs> I ain't trying to run up that. I mean, we have a small footprint here at my house anyways, but, you know, still, we run fans, we got ceiling fans, we, we we keep it at a minimum. But yeah, man, $800. Uh, how, about, how about we get some solar farms and wind farms there, Jeff? Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, how about you just donate solar panels to every roof? Uh, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, that'd be great, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> have to pay a bill ever again, it'd be lovely. Um... Yeah, so, you know, Lord of the Rings was this week. Uh, so was The Patient, which was the new Steve Carell show that was on uh, mm-hmm. FX. It's kind of this weird dark... Uh, Domino Gleeson plays the serial killer who, like, kidnaps a therapist because he wants therapy. That's the premise. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched that. Uh, have you started What We Do in the Shadows yet? No, season four? No. Yeah, no. We're, we're waiting. I think the last one's on this week, or it came on this week. Um, but I'm very excited to start because I miss, I miss Laszlo. Uh, and Naja. No, sure. And Nandor. But not you, Guillermo. <laughs> so, um, I'm excited. No, we, we watched Only Murders in the Building, season two, better than season one. If you haven't seen it, Pete, I think you'd like it. No, it's I never a, have, a, no. Yeah, it's, it's a fun and quirky, uh, you know, character-driven murder mystery type thing. So, um, season two, I enjoyed a little bit more. Had nah, some twists and turns. The so. main thing I've been shipping away at is uh, For All Mankind. I've been working through season yeah. one of that. I'm almost done with that. It's a very mm-hmm. interesting alternate history show and how yeah. the space race would have kept going if the Soviets had landed in the moon first uh, and how it pushes forward a lot of things yep. that didn't push forward till later in real life. How how many episodes is it? Uh, ten a season. Okay. And what season are they on? Uh, three just finished. Okay. Okay. I might. I have my Apple thing that I, I forgot and it re-renewed for the year. <laughs> so I, sh- I should finish Ted Lasso uh, season two. Oh, you should. Yeah, which I, that's mainly a, I, I don't want to be without it. Like, I like knowing that I, I get to watch it. T- Ted Lasso is the best Batman and Superman world's finest show that's ever been made. And, and do you know how much it pains me that, that my favorite character is the Batman? <laughs> character on that? <laughs> Love me some Roy Kent. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's so funny, but as soon as someone compared to me, Batman, it's from like, this is, this is Bruce and Clark. This is their relationship. Yeah. This is there, perfect. There is, I noticed on that show, watching the first season, there's a lot of Superman in that show with Ted. I mean, the fact that he's from Kansas, the team colors, the fact the best character's name is Kent. Um, you know, there's just, there, there's enough there for me, but yeah, no, Sudeikis is fantastic, but that's mainly me not wanting to finish it, but then again, I can always go back and watch it, like my wife has with Ships Creek fourteen times <laughs> at this point. 
So yeah, uh, it's fine. The show's fine. I like it enough, but not as much as she does. So, but no, for for mankind, I've been meaning to check it out. But hearing that you've, you know, that you're like you're chipping away at it and it seems pretty good, makes me think that I, I'd like it. So. Yeah. What I would say is that just uh, watch. I'd say watch <clears> the first three to sort of make your mind up on it because I think yeah. it's. I think the ending of episode two is where it kind of finds the spark of like, oh, this is what it's doing. Like this yeah. is, you know, I mean, the the opening episode does set up like the main premise, but yeah. I think you don't really get the meat of what it's doing until you you get to episode three and you're like, oh wait, I can kind of see where this is going now. Yeah. Uh, so nice. I, I'd recommend it. If I'm pimping out a uh, review content, I will say uh, for this week's Atomic Cinema Experiment, which is uh, will be up the same day as this actually. Um. I watched Flash Gordon for the first time, so that's uh, something to to check out. How great's that soundtrack, though? Soundtrack's not bad. Soundtrack's not bad. Lots awesome. that, That's all I know. I watched that movie as a kid, and it didn't stick with me. Um, and then once Ted came out, I tried to give it a watch, and I fell asleep. I was singing the song during the review, and it clicked. It just dawned on yeah. me as I was singing it that that's obviously what Dayman from It's Always Sunny is based oh, yeah? on. <laughs> because I almost went into it. I was like, Flash, ah, fighter of the night, man. <laughs> ah. I was like, damn it. Dang. But yeah. Uh, so so um, that was definitely an experience, right? Uh, it, uh, yes. It was, it, was, yeah. it was certainly a lot of colors on the screen yes. uh, for my eyeballs to take in. I'll, I'll say that much. Hmm. Uh, I almost asked what you thought of it, but then you said there's a review coming out. So oh, there is. Yes, I, I, I knew better. So yeah, Star Wars really had an impact that a bunch of movies tried to do with Star Wars. A bunch of movies, a bunch of uh, studios, and, and Flash Gordon was one of them. I mean, it's not even just. I mean, obviously that is very Star Warsy and it's <laughs> like essence, but uh, just sci-fi in general, like things. The Alien yeah. got green lit because Star Wars was a hit. Yeah. You know, that was that was just yeah. the, the time period. Uh, well, it, it, it's funny too because you know, Star Wars only exists because of the Flash Gordon serials from when Lucas was a kid. You know, stuff like that. So, you know, just constantly doing Oris Boris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also Kurosawa. There's a lot of Kurosawa. Yeah, 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 but I'm just talking like the the stylings, yeah, you know, the space kind of stuff and the episodic nature. Um, I wouldn't really consider Kurosawa very episodic. He's more epic than than episodic. So, but but yeah, um, shoot, I've been I've been so busy at work. I haven't really done much. I've just watched a lot of wrestling and uh, fallen asleep early on the couch because I'm putting in ten hour days. Well, just about ten hour days. So, you know, fell asleep watching She-Hulk. Uh, not for quality, just because I was like, oh, I can shut my eyes for a second. Done. So I have to go back and watch episode three again. But yeah, every time I try to watch Saul, something comes up. It's almost like the universe is preventing me. Yeah, so, I've not watched episode three of She-Hulk yet. I'll get to it at some point. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I like that it's a half hour because it leaves me wanting more. Like every time it ends, I'm always shocked. So, you know. Well, yeah, rest- but I, I think it's not... I mean, I don't know about episode three, but episode two was not structured properly. Like, I don't feel shortchanged when I watch a sitcom episode, but when I watched episode two of She-Hulk, I felt like, wait, that was it? Like, like that was, like, such a small slice of nothing. Uh, you know? So I, I still don't think Disney Plus have nailed how we format a TV show. No. But hey. 
Um, I'm having more fun with it than I did with Moon Knight, I'll tell you that much. I haven't watched past the first episode of Moon Knight, I can't tell yeah. you much about that. Oh, no, I'll just say, like, in Moon Knight's fine, I just, it got really into itself, and, you know, keeping track of everything was, was a bit of a chore. I like that She-Hulk's tone is light, mm. but that, that's just my personal preference. God damn it. I keep dropping stuff and hitting my phone. Yeah. But... <clears throat> I want to say Moon Knight's been renewed for season two. I'm not actually yeah. sure. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. So... I mean, I left on a great, like, like you said, like they've, I feel like they have a pacing problem in that, you know, nailing the structure problem too, because the the first two episodes and the last two episodes of Moon Knight, really, really strong. That middle chunk drags, but you could say that about most of them. Um, I think Hawkeye so far has been my favorite um, of them because they, they did a good job of adapting that story that I love so much uh, by while making its own. So, um, but yeah, I, I don't know it, but I, I will say it's nice that the hype on everything has died down because trying to keep up with stuff is very frustrating and having to watch out for spoilers, you know, and, and I have hockey season coming down the pipe, so I'm going to have less time than, than any. So I mean, you could just not watch hockey. I could, but then I'll be miserable and nobody wants that. Although it could be a miserable season with how the Knights have handled the front office, <laughs> the off season this year. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I, I have briefly considered a couple times in the last month watching Multiverse of Madness, and every but and every time I've just kind of went nah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, I can't bring myself to actually want to watch it. So, I, I think you would enjoy the back half. The first half, definitely not. And, and I know that sounds fluky, but. Um, I mean, hell, Thor is going to be available to watch at home soon. Then I'm so excited to rewatch that. I really enjoyed Love and Thunder. That should go without saying, as a guy with a Thor tattoo. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. So, I, I really I can't wait to watch it again. I wanted to see it again at the <clears> movies, <throat> but man, they they shut down my local theater that had the cheap tickets all day, and now like you're, you're talking thirteen dollars to go see a movie you already saw. I can't justify it. You know, five dollars, five to eight dollars to go back and see Thor. I can deal with that. But thirteen. But today is National Cinema Day, and I think when I'm done recording here, I think I'm gonna go see Bullet Train finally. So I've been been threatening it, but every time I get home, I'm tired, and uh, yeah, I think today is the day. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. When's the last time you went to the theater, Pete? a good question uh maybe jurassic world 3 oh, the last time. yeah there hasn't been anything that's really driven me to the theater i know that a late year whatever because they were close together whatever one came yeah. out second of those two let's let's see let me see let me go back through mine oh no mine was nope yeah which you still I, haven't seen yet. yeah i would have to see no but things got shuffled around and what show we're reviewing yeah. it on and the fact that it came out in the uk three weeks later did not uh help yeah. matters so yeah, uh no. i think nope we're, was that'll be part noteworthy. of our, our october uh slate on on screams so we'll, 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 i'm looking forward to watching nope uh yeah that the, was that was a fun theater future. experience so i'm glad but yeah no uh movie ticket prices not not that like it's gonna kill me it's it's hard to justify stuff that i'm not like that excited for spending that much on so it's 
I missed my eight dollars. Now they're gonna bulldoze that whole casino because you know out here we can't just have a movie theater that stands on its own. It's got to be hitched to a casino. And I guess someone bought that property and they're bulldozing the whole thing, theater and all. I mean, that's probably the reason why it was able to afford having cheap tickets for so long was because it wasn't just a movie theater. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, but uh, the other, so it's part of the Regal chain. There's also two others. So, like, if I was able to stand on the roof of my house, I could look and there's three different Regal theaters in, in eyesight. The fact that it's the third out of those and it's not a luxury and it's not a, you know, uh, you know, and it was doing the $8 tickets. It was always busy, though. Like, um, it will be missed. Rest rest in peace, you know. But uh, I saw m- most of the Marvel movies there at that theater. So from Iron Man to Endgame. In fact, I saw Iron Man and Endgame in the same theater, which I thought was pretty cool. Tried to sit in the same seats, too, and some a-hole wouldn't move. He got there first. So... I mean, if he got there first, he got there first. Yeah, I know, but it looked like he was just, like, you know, camping out on seats and, you know, saying that he was holding them for somebody. Uh, They didn't show up until the movie had already started. Not that I was paying attention because I'm obsessive or anything. Oh, no, you wouldn't do that. That was was my seat. So, but, yeah, so, sad times, but, yeah, I'm excited to go see Bullet Train. I mean, uh, don't worry, darling, I think is the next thing we're going to go see, especially after all the drama that's come out. I, I gotta see, gotta see what this is about. Yeah, I don't even know what I'm seeing next. I mean, mm. I, I may have to go see the new Halloween. Although I think it's going straight to Peacock again as well. I, so it is, but we're we're gonna go, you know, see it in the theater because it is an event. That's <laughs> no, debatable. Well, for me it is because I gotta see if it sticks the shit landing. You know, like is it is it gonna be as bad as the last one? It's gotta be. From the stuff that I've read. So. <laughs> now you're part of the problem, you know that? I <laughs> know oh, I am. 100%. <laughs> Halloween's one of those that I really love the first one. And there are, there is some good, like, four's good, H2O, I, I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy parts of the newer, of the David Gordon Green stuff. But man, I kind of also like that this new trilogy is kind of trash in, in the way that slasher movies can be trash. You know, so because um, however bad uh, Halloween Kills is, it's very watchable. I'm definitely watching it again before Ends comes out. Um, so, um, yeah, it's it's fun. But I was talking to my wife yesterday that like we need like a like a slasher movie, like in in the tone of Happy Death Day. I wish they could do something like that every year. Cause I miss having those like that and like freaky. They might not be the best movies, but I think they're fun to go watch. Also, no, uh, I think Happy Death is great. Uh, freaky, I yeah. think, is a bit more middling, but yeah. Well, that's the one I was more talking about. That and Happy Death Day too. Happy Death Day to you. Um, but uh, yeah. So I wish we had something of that tone. You know, every year around this time, I think that'd be I, I wish we had something like Terrifier every year, and um, we don't get it every year, but we're getting it this year. Pete, if Sinister kind of messed me up headspace-wise um, with how dark it is, should I watch Terrifier? Yes. Are you saying this to torture me or because you think I would enjoy it? It's very, it's not supernatural. It's a very different thing. Okay. It's definitely more like over-the-top blood gore. 
It's a sla- yeah, it's a slasher villain. Art the clown's okay. a, a killer. Okay. Okay. Uh, he looks like a supernatural clown on the cover, and he, oh, no. every time I pass it on a streaming service, I go pass it quick just so he doesn't come out of the TV and get me. It's oh. it's purely just visceral slasher movie okay. stuff. Okay. I, I, I it will be added to the list. And me and Tim both raved about the first one when we watched that a couple of years ago, and I would say that finding out the sequel is two hours and 20 minutes long it is actually kind of like daunting because i'm like because the address like the that that first movie's intense and i'm like holy shit two hours and 20 minutes are up the clown <laughs> that what, seems excessive it does seem excessive but i'm also because it's been a few years though it's taken them a good four years five years to make yeah. this movie so uh i'm excited i don't know if i'll see it in october because it's only getting a limited release so right. I, I don't know if it'll, it's probably going to be like a wait until it's on a vod but if people want a an intense slasher villain movie i would recommend checking out terrifier he does not pill punches that's all i'm going to say good good, good to know <laughs> yeah my coworker was telling me about it but he's like just just know it's kind of hard to watch and i was like if it's gonna stay with me i might not uh I don't think it's hard. I think it's... I, I was laughing a lot at how brutal it was. But I okay. mean, you know. That's the stuff I can get down on. Uh, is where you're just kind of like, oh my god. It's not Mars. Like, uh, I'll just put it that way. It's, it's not Mars. It's not gotcha. like one of these movies. I mean, maybe for some gotcha. people it is. Some people feel like I'm a sick yeah. bastard for laughing <laughs> as much as I do when I watch Terrifier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just remember watching Drive in the movie theater and where he stomps the dude out in the elevator. My first reaction was to laugh, which then led my mother-in-law to lean over and go, what's wrong with you? <laughs> because I did not know how else to react. Like, I just... So... Yeah. Also, Terrifier, if I remember right, is set on Halloween, so it's maybe a good October mm-hmm. watch. So. Yeah. It's been added. Let's see. Uh, that Barbarian movie's coming out, which I still don't know what it's actually about, but the trailer was creepy. Uh, Pearl. Pearl comes out. Ooh. That means I get to rewatch X. I'm gonna go to the mo- I'm gonna go by that. Um, don't worry, darling. Hey, Pete, how much money is it gonna take to get you to watch Rob Zombie's The Monsters? <laughs> I'll probably find out. That seems like something that'll be a goal on stream at some point. But, yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah. I, that looks terrible. Oh yeah. I mean, the tone looks like it matches the show. Um, so I think that's okay. I mean, I'm gonna watch it. It's on Netflix, but. It, it's more of a morbid curiosity than anything, because it's it's Rob Zombie. Um, yeah, not not a lot of stuff. So don't worry, darling. And Pearl, uh, I think are the two ones I'm excited for in September. Um, Hocus Pocus two, of course, but that's on Disney Plus. Uh, Blonde, which is that Anna De Armas uh, movie. All right, you just you just listed movies there, Matt. <laughs> but no, I'm just looking at stuff that's coming out in theaters. I don't think that's coming out in theaters. So, Halloween ends October fourteenth. If anyone uh, is isn't you know feeling tortured by this non-comic book talk right now, the timestamp is there for you to skip ahead. It's always there. I always make sure the timestamps are there for the for the comic discussions. You can you can bolt on ahead to that should you please. Yeah, I mean maybe we should talk comics now. Should. Although there's more teases this week of uh, a new Friday the Thirteenth, Matt, since I've just noticed in the Crystal Lake shirt you've got on. Uh, I also bought a Crystal Lake hat yesterday, so send me, send me, send me that info because I didn't see any. 
Well, it was yeah. actually, it was just a, a, on the New Line Instagram page, uh, uh-huh. there was like a DM from Jason Voorhees saying something. Uh, so that, that's the first tease from the company side that there's something brewing. I'm going to look this up really quick. But there's been a few things in the last couple of weeks of uh, just little little things here or there. Like I think it's like Sean S. Cunningham's like LinkedIn page or something just casually mentions a new Give movie me development. <laughs> So, Dang it, I don't want to click on this because it might make noise. Yeah, don't make noise. No, don't make noise. You're forbidden yes. from making noise. You know, last night we went to Spirit Halloween just to see all their stuff while it was still fresh. And uh, they had a, a Camp Crystal Lake hat. Looks like a counselor's hat. So I picked that bad boy up. Mm. So uh, I think for, I, for I, work, I'm going as a Camp Crystal Lake counselor. I bet you're going to go see that Spirit Halloween movie that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. Huh? Spirit Halloween movie? Yeah, there's a trailer for it. It's it's like a bunch of kids get trapped inside a Spirit Halloween over Halloween night. And hijinks happen. Is it like a kid fun movie, or is it like like an actual slasher? Nah, a kid fun movie. Okay. I think Christopher Christopher Lloyd's got a small role. Oh my god. No, me and my wife, that's what led to the conversation about wanting a slasher movie. Because I lost her in the Spirit Halloween. And I got scared a little bit. And <laughs> so, because when you come around corners, the stuff activates. And it's very jump scary. Matt, um, you're a grown-ass man. What, why are you scared? Yeah, but you can't, you, you can't punch a ghost, Pete. Right? It's not a real I ghost. You, I don't know this. You're at a Halloween store. <laughs> yeah. So, I was like, oh my god. What if, has, has there ever been a, a slasher-type movie? Where someone gets killed in a Halloween store, and and now you drop the spirit Halloween movie on me. I mean, I don't think anyone's under threat of being killed in this, but it's too it's too kid friendly. But yeah, yeah, so it's more of a goosebumpy type thing. Yeah, but oh, I'm gonna watch the hell out of it mm. for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, uh, a new Friday the Thirteenth, please, 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 please. One of these days, I'm going to trick Matt into watching one of these like Christian made movies. I'll I'll sell it as like something juicy that he wants. Brother, all you have to do is find a link where it says camp something, and I'll be and be like, hey, so this is supposed to be like a backdoor, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll find yeah. something that's bare in the title, but then he watches it, and it's actually, uh, you know, <laughs> that's born-again Christian bear uh, talking to his uh, cubs about... <laughs> yeah, I'd still watch it. About how Jesus' cub sacrificed himself yeah. <laughs> for, for everyone. Yeah, so... Ooh. I, I was always worried when we did our one show where we picked movies that you were going to pull a Hail Mary like that just to see <laughs> and watch one of those really, really terrible ones. Ah, oh, they could call it Barely Christian. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I nailed it. I nailed it in one. All right. Uh, let's talk about comics, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do it. All right. Superman, War World Apocalypse, Issue 1, Philip Keddy Johnson, and four writers who I didn't write down because it was four of the bloody things. Uh, so I'll tell you that. You mean second. artists. Oh, sorry, artists, yes. Yeah, you said four writers, and it's just one. Yeah, so sorry. So yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, we got uh, Bradley Pearson, Will Conrad, Max Rayner, and Miguel Madoncha all on art. That is mm-hmm. uh, a hefty chunk. And and it did feel like they broke it up into to places like 
what's going on with Superman felt like it was one artist. Yeah. Versus what's going on with Orphan, and 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 that the um, Star Forges was an artist, and then I feel like the main battle with uh, Midnighter and Manchester Black was another. So it was. Uh, I think it was handled pretty deftly, but yeah. Kind of stinks that Federici wasn't a part of it. Yeah, it handled it as about as well as it could have done, mm-hmm. but I still wish they didn't have to handle it. Yeah, you know, for sure. It's, it's kind of you know where. Um. It is. So, how do you feel about it being a fitting end to this Warworld saga? Yeah, I thought it was a solid ending. Uh, Me too. I, I think yeah, there's he stuck the landing. I think um, if I have any complaints about the saga as a whole, is that maybe in the sort of middle to back half. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the single issues weren't that super satisfying on their own. I'm sure that's something that'll clear up yeah. when you just read it as a trade or as yeah. a as a collection. But um, I think the ending just sort of rehits on all the points that I kind of liked about it in the first place. Mm-hmm. So Superman being selfless, you know, going to save the or you know, wanting to save the kid after the kid dies at the hands of Mongo. Which, by the way, I mean, I kind of almost wish they didn't bring the kid back and it actually got left that Mongo just killed this Felosian child like that. I think that yeah. would have been. A big... Although I do like what he represents there, because he is the you know by the end there the fire of Olgren personified because of sure. Superman's selfless act, yeah. you know. So I do I do like that, but yeah, that was a shock that that they actually went there. Um, but but yeah, and I I feel like it was it was chaotic, but like a like a planned out chaotic, where it it really felt like we were in the thick of a natural battle. Like when it was bouncing around from each each of the part parts, like I never got lost, but it felt like there was a lot going on. Um, so I, I feel like all all four of the artists hit that pretty well. Yeah, I do. I do wonder if maybe the last few issues before this would have been better off, like giving one issue to the Superman plot, one issue to the the Midmater and stuff plot, the yeah. one to the orphan. Just because I feel like the, I think the last couple of issues suffered from having all, just a little bit of all these threads, as opposed to maybe being more focused one by one. Yeah. And then well, this this issue can has the time and the page count to really finish yeah. them all off. Where I almost felt like it would have been nice to have like specials too, so like a Midnighter special instead of having his issue, mm. um, because it felt like there's a lot of story that happened in between issues. Because, uh, like, here at the end, they remind Midnighters, like, see, it's a good thing we didn't blow up the Star Forges, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a whole issue about that. Yeah. Um, Which so. I, I remembered as soon as they mentioned it, but, yeah, yeah. It, you know, there's, obviously there's a lot of moving parts by the time you've yeah. gotten to the end of this. It's easy to sort of misplace some of them. Uh, but, yeah, you got all the fighting going on. Obviously, some of the big threads going throughout is... Uh, you're trying to bring Light Ray back. You know, Omax try to do that. And Omax ultimately sacrifices... To, to do themselves. so yeah mm-hmm. uh so that's kind of a big moment in light rate it's returned at the end uh but it's sort of an emotional thing um, such a cool thing too because light ray goes from being whatever that um what do they call it? unborn not unborn um unmade unmade there you go goes from being the unmade version of themselves and then you see the black racer there and it was just a creepy you know like it was it was a nice fitting tribute for omac but just the black racer being there after she comes back was a was a, a cool cool little beat. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Superman charging Mongol after he kills the kids mm-hmm. a big moment. Uh, you know, th- these felt quite impactful, which I really appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. So the big thing though, we, the cliffhanger last issue was uh, uh, Krillux uh, had you know 
been working for Mongol. Yep. And it turns out in this that he's actually still against Mongol, but he has been working with them this whole time because he ultimately wants mm -hmm. to beat him because uh, he believed that, uh, you know, w working with them and uh, betraying him later would, would be the way to go. Uh, so there's, yeah. ki there's kind of this, like... I did appreciate the end of this issue when Krillix actually is the one who kills Mongol and sort of yeah. like you know punches him, you know, because ultimately uh, the whole plan to get the, the the sun turned to sort of power up Superman mm -hmm. and all the other Thelosians works. So all the Thelosians start to glow and it's like, oh shit, we're all, we're all Supermen now. Yeah. Uh, same happens to Krillix and he uses his power to kill Mongol. And afterwards, he's to, to Superman, he's like, you know, you'll probably never you'll see me quite as an ally again or whatever, but. Uh, and Superman's like, yeah, I don't think I can. Because it doesn't matter that ultimately you kind of help win the fight. Like, you still betrayed everyone. You were still working with Mongol. Uh, yep. to, so that Superman would find, you know, the, the, the Ogren the thing. And, you know, that was that's what it was all about. It was all helping Mongol he get was, that. He wasn't a double agent because he was working for himself the whole time. Yeah. He was doing whatever he needed to to beat Mongol. He was just a, a force, you know, that kept moving. And I, and I like that because we had, we had speculated that Superman would beat Mongol and take over Warworld and then leave it to the Warzoons. I was not expecting Krillix to usurp uh, Mongol, which I think was a nice touch because now it's like, well, Warworld's still standing. There's still a new Mongol. Can he be trusted? Uh, and then we, we get that epilogue at the end where it seems like Krillix has a war to fight on his own. Um, and so I, I did like that twist there at the end. Yeah, I, I think just the idea that Superman can't just quite forgive him because it, it, it's what he did was still, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately a betrayal. It was still this dark thing. Yeah. It still got it still got this child killed, and yeah, he was able to bring him back. But the, the Krillix wouldn't That's have known that. Point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I appreciate that there's still some weight to that that decision, uh, mm -hmm. and it does make him the shady sort of shades of grey character. Yeah. Uh, so uh, late race whole thing to come back actually is uh, tr tricking. Uh, actually, not like Ray Apollo. This no. is, so Apollo, Apollo gets tricked. Uh, Manchester Black tricks him into thinking the Justice League is there. And there was actually a second where I thought, well, this feels a bit anticlimactic bringing the Justice League in right I now. I got so confused and I'm looking at him. I'm like, why are they all in Warworld gear? And then I turn the page and it's uh, Manchester Black doing a uh, a mental thing. Yeah. And it was a very nice touch. Yeah, basically, it has Cyborg connect to the back of his neck, which is where the the, the, the controlling thing... Controls, yeah. So he, he kind of tricks him into ripping out the, the thing that's letting Mongo control him. And sure enough, that that, that's, that solves the problem. Mm -hmm. So it's a good moment. I like that, but um, obviously, I think you know, the moment where Philosians realize they all have this strength, the idea that Superman's been telling them they have this strength the whole time, but now it's made literal... By the the sun's you know, the sun engine powering them up. Yep. Anyway, it's a, it's a neat way to sort of punctuate it by like, okay, now it's literal. Now you actually have this power. Like you're struggling up until now and fighting, even though you were weak and even though it felt impossible, is now paying off. You're rewarded for your faith in Superman. Like there's there's a nice yep. kind of ring to that as well. Uh, so and you know the way it reveals Superman's get his powers back is also quite neat. Where Mongol blasts him off into like you know the stratosphere basically. And then you think, oh, that must be him dead. But then the heat vision comes flying down from the skies above. Such a good moment. It's a neat moment, and, yeah. Because I, I looked at him and I was like, where'd Superman go? Right? And then you see his his silhouette in, like, the clouds. And then, yeah, the heat vision goes and it is a, like, a fist pump moment. Yeah. 
Is it technically a silhouette when it's like white and not black? <laughs> I guess it kind of is. I don't is, know because but... you just see still you still see the outline of him. Yeah. Right? So like... basically it's, it's in the yellow blast of energy you see yeah. just this white outline of Superman inside it. Yeah. Um it reminds me more of someone getting electric shocked or like something like that like in a cartoon. It's, it's got that kind yeah. of effect to it. And yeah. I I'm just wondering if that's technically still a silhouette <laughs> or if it matters if it's you know light or dark but maybe right. it doesn't maybe it doesn't maybe it's the exact same by the way but um but it's, it's got a really nice flow to that page actually because that yellow blast is going up and that's in the upper left panel and then the big panel underneath is the the red beam of the the heat vision coming down it, it creates kind of a nice flow to it uh between the two beams uh so the page looks quite good as a result i think uh and then you get the big you know glory moment of him uh floating in the sky uh the lightnings hit him and he's got like you know electricity like all around him uh it's really neat neat stuff so yeah and you know you get this thing as well where acrylic's killing mongol like superman was never going to kill mongol like no. that's not what he does so no and so that, that's where i thought johnson was going with this is like he was going to show the people of Warworld that you know mongol is just as mortal as they are right and that they, they don't need a mongol as you know he would be so, like, I could see, I could have seen them doing the, like, Superman's the last Mongol. And so to Warworld, that's where that ends. But no, nah, man, the, the Mongol who, who is is now the Mongol who was. So thanks to Krillix. And uh, so does it. Wait, what? Say that again. So the Mongol who is, because that's what he was, yes. right? Is now the Mongol who was. Okay, um, technically that's true. But yeah. that could also mean the opposite. Because... The way I heard you say that the first time you said it is the Mongol who is, is the Mongol who was. As in right. the Mongol who is right now is the right. Mongol who was before. You know, that's not what I meant. I meant as as, as in title as that they were calling them. Um, but it's like, is is Krillix just another? You know, because he's so self serving. Like, is this just going to be a repeating thing with Warworld that no matter who's in charge, right? Do they have the culture to sustain? Is he just going to take the Philosians now and mm. and and it is, it is worth mentioning as well that uh, Krellix's plan was to get the 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 fire of Olgren. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that the sons gave him Superman powers was not something he counted on. No. It was just kind of like he you know he able he called an audible basically yeah. when this happened instead. Yeah. Uh, so it's worth mentioning because yeah, I just because I think there's a risk of you thinking that's too convoluted that he was planning yeah. for all this to happen so he'd no. get this power. That wasn't his yeah. plan. His plan was no, just to get the fire. Because he he knew that they were going to do to to switch over the the engines, but I don't think he thought that it would give him the same level of powers, right? Like, well, even if he said he he, yeah. he wasn't necessarily banking on that part no. of the plan working. Like, no, the, he was banking on Superman giving because, over the fires of Olgren. So well, it's, it's, not even, it's not even just that. Like, he wouldn't have known that was part of the plan when he first started doing all this like when he started this whole you know, this scheme from the start when he started talking to superman his plan the whole time was to get to the fire of olgrun this second plan to like change the the, the engine right. to turn it into a yellow sun or right. something like a yellow sun that was right. something someone else suggested along the way so it's not mm-hmm. like he could yeah, have no. predicted that that outcome or that possibility so no the outcome that he was seeking was the of killing mongol right like that was all he was focused on yeah, with the fire of Olgren, though, that's the point right. I'm making. Right. Uh, he got this second avenue of doing it by chance, mm. 
uh it's not this convoluted thing where you know sometimes villains like oh they plan to get captured and released and then yeah. they plan for this other thing to happen it's like okay i don't really believe that this could have yeah. all played out the way you thought it was going to uh so uh, I'm, I'm i'm trying to compliment it basically uh <laughs> yeah yeah it, and it, it's all good and it, it is a, again i keep saying it was a nice twist because i was not expecting that you know and it was a shock when when he he kills mongol because i i just figured like this is such a good villain for Superman. Like we might see Mongol turn up another time, you know. So, um, oh, him yeah, being the, gone, there'll always be another Mongol for sure. Uh, yeah, I, you know. So he, he, Krellix leaves by saying, "You know, I still count you as a friend and ally, Kal-El. And he's like, "I don't see how that's possible." <laughs> like Superman's clearly yeah. not feeling friendly with this dude right now. Uh, so it's this interesting thing where he still caught taught, taught Krellix hope. That's his last thing that Krellix says to him, but. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's done everything in this darker way that um, you can't even compare it to Superman, Batman, because Batman still wouldn't no. do this shit. But you know, no. in that same way, where he's accepting a lot of Superman's teachings, but he's still going about it in a darker way. If anything, this is like a this is closer to like Superman's Ghostmaker. Better, might I add, but closer to yeah, in a sense. I didn't think about it like that, but that does make sense. Is that he has the 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 grayer moral compass yeah. than Superman? Yeah. So Dude, I yeah, was, that's actually a pretty good comparison, Pete. Not not to uh tangent too much at a Batman right now, but I was yeah. thinking about Ghostmaker this week. And it occurred to me because we're talking about the night and how we think that character's yeah. basically becoming yeah. Ghostmaker. And I was thinking how that even if we got that first, I would still think the Ghostmaker name and look was shit. Even 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 if it was introduced yeah. in the right order where we got to care about like the moral implications and how he bounced off Bruce. I just it was occurring to me during the week. I was thinking about it. Since since, since know, I brought I, Ghostmaker, I, I just thought I'd mention it. You know, I just it's so edgy. Like that name and then the the look is straight from the nineties, which I always feel is the point. Oh yeah, it looks in fact uh, on the subject of uh, looks, uh, talking Superman, uh friend slash enemy of the show. Um, <laughs> Frenemy, if you will. Yeah, this week uh or maybe it was last week, I don't know, but it was recently. He he mentioned how a lot of modern villain designs have this kind of same, like they're going for badass ninja, ninja look. Yeah. And yeah, Ghostmaker falls into that. He, he's just yeah. kind of this generic look to him now. Uh, so it's an ongoing problem with comic well, designs. It automatically made uh, made me think of the Outsiders and how they were techno ninjas that mm. they were fighting. Uh, and I was like, dang, he's right. There's, there's very few new designs that I like on characters, uh, and the ones that kind of work okay tend to be because they're an evolution. You know, John's fine because he's just, just a new version of a Superman right. suit, but right. most new characters, like, you know, most of, like, John's, like, friends, or even, like, the, the uh, what do we call them? Uh, the revolutionaries from Taylor's, like, Suicide Squad mm-hmm. and Superman. Like, I like some of those characters, but most of their looks are kind of meh. <laughs> like, they, you know, they don't have really great looks that I go, oh, like, that's an iconic look that people should cosplay or something. I mean, yeah, Osita's main thing is that she has a metal hand, right? Like, mm. but all, all of them kind of don't. Like, I, when they showed up in, in the last Superman Son of Kal-El, I forgot Jog was still around because I thought Jog had died, you know? <laughs> Like, you know, so, like, I feel like Wink and Area are pretty generic. I mean, I think Wildcat honestly might be the... Or, no, sorry, Wildcat. Uh, Chaos Kitten. That's, that's what I meant. Uh, Chaos Kitten. <laughs> because it's so simple and it's just like... Yeah. Uh, it's just a regular girl, but she just happens to have cat ears. <laughs> like, right. I think that almost makes her more appealing visually in terms of design than the others who look too comic booky, if that yeah. makes any sense. I, I do like the Airy though, with the angelic kind of look. Um... 
you know, yeah. the wings coming out of their back and whatnot is, is pretty cool, but... Yeah, yeah. so we, no, have, I mean, we have a couple of not. scenes after uh, all the, the war goes down. Uh, yeah. So we finally had uh, a callback to the, uh, you know, the United Planets guys on Daxum. Uh, mm-hmm. You're the one who kind of, like, stopped any support coming to Warworld. Uh, I love that they came back to this little thread, because I loved this when they did it back in... Because this was early on in the, the saga. Uh, this character stopped any help from coming. Um, and, you know, he's he's here, and uh, Krellix, uh comes to see him. Um, so, and it, you know, it's this idea that he's, he's maybe going to still get his comeuppance for what he's done. Really, and, yeah, because he is, and... and... Krellix threatens the United Planets as a whole for what, you know, they allowed to happen to uh, his planet, which I, I forget the name. It's not... They're Phalosians, but they're from a different planet, right? Yes. Yeah, so I can't remember the name of the planet off the top of my head, but... Yeah, so it's also kind of like this thing where are they going to go to war with Daxum and the United Planets? Like, is there going to be some down the line, some super people war? Because don't forget, Daxamites have the same powers. They're also descended from Kryptonians. So, yeah, uh, I just I was glad they brought that thread up because I thought it was one of the more yeah. interesting things they set up back at the start mm-hmm. of the arc. Uh, and we go back to to Metropolis, and Lois is writing about how she misses Superman and how that when he comes back, she wants that day to be just for her, and the world can have him back a day later. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a sweet thing. Uh, you get the sort of morning glow, the sunrise over Metropolis, and she gets swept out the window, and the final page is them kissing. Uh, in front of the sunrise and it's over the top of the city. Very, very nice. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It's a, it's a nice big kind of uh, romantic moment. Uh, obviously, we're getting the Kal-El Returns crossover between uh, Superman and Action yep. Comics. Um, so we'll, we'll be getting that in over the next month or two. Yep. So that's cool. Um, yeah, it was a very satisfying conclusion. It kind of wrapped up all the things. Um, I, I think, you know, the the big thing that maybe hurt the, the saga uh, the most is probably the fact that we, we started swapping artists around very willy-nilly. Um, yeah. And it was very inconsistent for the back half. Um, I, I don't even think Federici did any of the... Because uh, it was kind of split into two arcs. I don't think mm-hmm. Federici did any of the second one, I want to say. I'm trying to think back. I think you're right. I don't think... And if he did, it was like one issue because I I, right. I, don't, I do not remember much of him at all in that second half. Yeah, which is a shame uh, because I I think it it's still a very special Superman story. I still think it's yep. going to read incredibly well as a collection as as a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all I don't know if it's like eighteen issues or whatever in total, but um, I do I do think like that like eighty year all timer like quality maybe is just slightly dinged by the art being as yeah. inconsistent as it was. So- you know, the, the context of the story and stuff, it, it is an all-time story. But yeah, it, with the kind of inconsistent art, um, maybe. But still, I would definitely recommend this as like a... Like, it's up there now. And the, hey, I want to read a good Superman comic. Uh, you know, you can put oh, them on this. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Johnson's run is still one of my favorite Superman mm-hmm. runs already because of this. And yeah. I'm excited to see what he's doing now back on Earth with, uh, yeah. with Superman and... John. Uh, intermingling with with Taylor's super, Superman as well, so I, I'm I'm curious to see where we yeah. go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely a very well, worthwhile, you know. Yeah, because we still reading. have those hanging threads of of uh, what's her name that's that's on Earth. They have to save her. Yep, yep. Um, because conduit exploded the Genesis fragment. Also, the world governments are still kind of pissed at Superman for for him not giving up the Genesis fragment and getting involved. 
So um, I'm curious to see where those threads pick up and you know, how, how it goes. But yeah, no, uh, Johnson thoroughly enjoying his take on Superman, going all the way back to those future state issues. Like, yeah, I, I feel like this hit those tones of why Superman's special. So um, yeah, curious so, so his run's almost two years, actually. Well, yeah. actually, not not yet, because it's only a, it's only just not Mars. quite. And remember, he had that crossover uh, that was kind of John Carter of Mars esque with John and, and Superman, uh, and then that led to well, that's still part of his run, though. Yeah, 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 but that that was where it started, right? Well, no, but his run started with Future State, though, which was the start of last year. Which is my point. I'm I'm saying we're okay. You know we're. It feels a longer time ago though, so that's why I'm. I'm getting... No, no, that was January okay. 2021. So, um, yeah. So, so we're. It's not quite two years because we're only at the start of September. But yeah. Um, it, it's it's looking lately that it, you know, but based on the fact that he's still in the book on solicits uh, up to November, like, it's looking lately yeah. that he's going to at least hit two years on the book, which is exciting. Uh, and he, he got to say so much about the character with the War World Saga stuff that I'm excited to see what he says now that Superman's back on Earth and maybe doing more yeah. traditional Superman things as a result. But uh, with all that said, Matt, what are you rating the War World Apocalypse special? I'm giving this an 8. Hmm, that's interesting. That seems a bit muted for you. Mm-hmm. Given this is the ending well, of the big, the big saga? Yeah, but it, it's really good. But like you said, the art was kind of up and down and for you know all of that, I I was gonna give the eight point five, but then I, I turned it down. I have to. I think I will go the eight point five. I, I think enough of yeah. the emotional resonance impacted me that I'm I'm happy to give it give it up, even with the caveats of the art being obviously inconsistent. And I mean, most of the art is good. I don't think there was any of the art that I thought was bad. So I mean, that's good. But yeah, obviously, sure. consistent style would be would be appreciated. I do think the one time the art change feels like it makes. Like, whereas I would have argued that even if you had, say, Federici on all of the issue, I think those last few pages with Lois and Metropolis being a different artist, that that was the one time when the art changed where it felt really natural, that we're back on Earth, so all of a sudden it looks very different. That yep. that one moment made sense to me. So even if we did have one consistent artist, I might have argued that those last three or four pages should have still been someone else. <laughs> just, just to really sell that we're back on a different world again. But, uh... Yeah, so there you go. That's Superman War World Apocalypse issue one. The Flash Annual 2022. Jeremy Adams writing with Serge Acuna on the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the framing device for this, obviously Wally found out that Linda has speed powers uh, just last issue uh, or so. And this issue, they start off debating. He's like, well, do you know how this happened? Did you get hit by lightning? And she's like, I think I would have noticed if I got struck by lightning. I love that him and Ace going, it's like, what, did she get hit by lightning? Like, them both bringing it up, I thought yep. it was really funny. Oh, and just to mention before we get into anything else, there's a little, just a, a little bit of this thread just being continued for the book, because it doesn't come back up in the rest of the issue, mm-hmm. is uh, Chief Irons, uh, sorry. Chief. Chief. Warden. War- uh, Warden Wolf from Iron Heights. I, yeah. I Chief, Ir- Chief Irons is a character in the rest of the Evil Games, Matt. I'm so, I, I, I can't Oh, for reals? I was like, that sounds like a good name. Like, yeah. hold on to that for a script one day. Chief Brian Irons. Uh, yeah. Oh, He's a creep in uh, Resident Evil 2. Uh, anyway. Of course it's Resident Evil. How, yeah. How do you feel about Netflix canceling that? Delighted. It was terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh good riddance to it, i say just uh, like i'm cursed to not get a proper superman movie you're cursed not to get a proper resident evil adaptation. oh i know d- 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 no but at least you've got the, at least the christopher reeve superman movie exists we yeah, had but, a good one true but there's never been a good resident evil movie true you get that right uh, I, I mean if you put all the cut scenes together i'm sure it makes a good movie <laughs> Nah. Anyway, so anyway, yeah, I was I was thinking Iron Heights, so I went to Chief Irons. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so yeah, the warden's like, oh, I'm running for mayor, uh, which is we kind of already hinted at before, but it's just kind of like yeah, set, setting up. and he's and he's using reformed villains to to help him. Yeah, but it all feels a little suspect. It makes him feel a bit villainous, doesn't it? Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, uh, Linda's sitting in a Superman shirt as well, uh, notably in this opening scene. Uh, but the whole setup of this is that Linda's going off uh, to do, do a, an interview for her book, which she's finished. And Wally's not read it yet, but he promises he's going to. And obviously he's got super speed, so he can do it quite quickly. So that's what the, the premise of this book is, is that Linda leaves, Wally sits down to read her book, which she said is a trashy romance book. And most of the issue, occasionally we go back to Wally's reaction, which is fun. But most of the issue is Linda's book in comic book form. I loved how cheesy this was. Like, I think Jeremy Adams has that skill to to shift gears in writing to where it's supposed to be a little bit cheesy. Oh, sure. It's, it's not his writing. It's Linda's writing. So there because there are parts in here that I was rolling my eyes. I was like, well, I think that's the point. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it does that thing in the art as well, where it looks uh, damaged and scratched. You know, it yep. looks uh, weathered, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. So they put a lot of effort into this, making this feel different. And effectively, it's just a telling of Linda's life, but with like a, a twist. You know, it's a like sheen of 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 like yeah. pulp action adventure. Like you know, she's given yeah. herself a different name. You know, I laughed out loud later on, as does Wally, because we get his reaction yep. to it when yep. the Wally character shows up and he's named uh, William East. I think was the name. Well, yeah. Uh, or maybe it was it was it was a W name then East. But either way, it was, it was funny. He's got long hair. Um, he's this hero that comes in and saves her. Um. I actually can't remember. Was Linda previously married? And and I don't remember. I don't remember that because I was thinking, oh, does this represent? Because I was thinking that this guy did represent Wally, yeah. and that him disappearing was like him like vanishing and continuity. Yeah. <laughs> but then then like real Wally or not real Wally, but the actual Wally sorry shows up with a big you know long red hair, and I was like, oh, okay, okay, and I was like, wait. Did Linda have a previous marriage that you know? I'm, I'm looking this up while you talk. Yeah. Um, I I'm pulling up a wiki so we can we can see. But I did like that because it made it feel like we we're getting properly reintroduced to the uh, to her because it was kind of messy when they brought Wally back. Oh yeah, for sure. So the fact here that they're just kind of um, it's a, it's a different way to sort of like maybe give you some insight into Linda's backstory again. Yes, they listed that his name was Rick Shavers and it's her ex husband. I'm gonna okay. have to go back. I'm gonna have to see if I can find him from my shop. Is the Wade? I haven't read the Wade run of Wally in a minute. Oh sure. But I just read the Johns a couple of years ago, and I don't remember her being married before. I might. Well, the... it probably came up in the Wade run because that's when yeah. he meets her. So yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that it felt familiar um, when I was reading here, but I couldn't remember if that was new or not. So. Um, or if not meets her, at least that's when the romantic, you know, kicks journey. off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all collected in, like, I want to say eight or nine thick there's, trades, something like yeah. that. And there's, there's, like, a gap in, in between the one where there's, like, a Morrison trade fits in. Because, like, Morrison yeah. took it over for, like, a year, and then it went mm-hmm. back to Wade. So you can you can do the whole shebang. Like, 
mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, but yeah, obviously it skips ahead. You start, you know, as you start in chapter one of the, her book, it skips to chapter six where she's getting married, and so you know it bounces you know off ahead in time, and it shows that she wanted to be a writer, but she became a journalist instead, and how that, and so it's like it's very clear it's about her life, but with this pulp sheen on it. Uh, but then of course there's this this bit of danger, a monster shows up, and long haired with a jetpack, yep. <laughs> William East shows up. Um, but my friends call me Billy, which is obviously very similar to Wally. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and you know, to Wally laughing and calling his wife a nerd. Uh, it's, it's all very sweet. Look, look what she did here. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, uh, she was created in Flash. Her first appearance is Flash Volume Two, Number Twenty Eight, which is from '89. Um, and it, and it did go down <laughs> in Strangeville, New Mexico, where she was covering. The Porcupine Man incident. Oh, so, so this is so, actually a direct reference to her first appearance. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Very, very nice. Very nice, Jeremy Adams. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I feel think like that's pre Wade. This writer though. really likes the Flash. Yeah, just for the record, that is, is that... pre. That's pre Wade. Yeah, yeah. So I would say so. That's pre Wade, but yeah. that's where she was introduced. So I don't know if it kicked off like because Wade whole... did like an annual and a special, and then he he starts writing the book. I want to say in the fifties or sixties. It's something in that range. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so that's definitely pre weighed Yeah, so pretty dates But yeah, but uh, I feel like uh, Jeremy Adams really likes The Flash at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting know? that impression. And specifically Wally West, Sarah, of The, yep. the Flash. Uh, a, mm-hmm. lot, a lot of uh, stuff here. So now, this is... Uh, I actually like it even more knowing that this is a direct play on her first appearance. It is. Uh, yeah. That's cool stuff. Um, so, you know, he takes her to, like, the headquarters and he's, he works with, you know, a Captain Cold type figure. Yeah, uh, a Leo Pied Piper, Lenny. yeah, uh, yeah, uh, a Pied Piper type figure, you know, and uh, Kadabra is, is is the villain who's going to mm-hmm. you know destroy everything, um, you know. So it was a lot of fun uh, stuff with her intermingling with all these various different characters, and uh, yeah, so no, it's, it's good stuff, um, and. Linda or Linda's surrogate, I should say, gets to yell and get involved and be a part of it. Um, and there's even a big cliffhanger at one point where it looks like that they've all been eaten or killed or swallowed yep. into a vortex. And like Wally's like, "What?" And he goes and gets some snacks to to keep mm-hmm. finished. And did you notice the logo on the uh, the bag of crisps, Matt? I did, but remind me because I read this early in the week. Well, it's uh, the brand is. D chips and it's That's the right. it's the spin it, logo and the it's D. It's the spinny logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah very good. Which you know would have been the logo for the majority of, of Wally. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been the, the logo when Wade started in the book. That was still the bullet logo. That was the bullet logo. So the the spinny logo happened in about oh three oh four, because that's when I started picking up Flash regularly, and I want to say that they're on. It's I don't have it here. I just have my sign flashed up right here um because then they went to the peely logo um and that was with uh that was new 52 was that new 52 was the peely logo yeah so yeah this would have been most of john's run was the teach that, the, that was because it was really awkward they didn't start new 52 with it they, they yeah. switched to it like issue five or six in all the new 52 right. books it was like a really awkward transition just a little bit into it uh but yeah so, so yeah you've got uh flashy's weird team of like rogues effectively yeah. uh all working together in space and linda ends up like flying out into space as well with this bubble to help uh to, well to help billy i should say um 
and ultimately help save him. And yeah. they, they kiss in space. It's this super romantic thing. Um, and Wally goes off to meet Linda, and uh, he references the book uh, by quoting the same line that his character yeah. said uh, when he first met her in the book. Uh, and, you know, Linda gives this big cheesy smile. She's so happy that he read it. Um, and then they come to this realization at the end because she's craving a, a certain food type that that's what she used to crave when she was pregnant. And they both go, "Oh, wait a minute! Is this why I've got powers?" You know, that's the cliffhanger we end on, which is funny because this is what we were basically saying. Uh, yeah several issues ago <laughs> it, feel, it feels nice when you're right um and it ultimately couldn't be could be a red herring but yeah so we, they go to italy to go you they're, know, they're like certainly a, hinting at it with the same yeah, anyway on a date night and she goes oh i could really go for some of that salt with caramel gelato and just the pacing and this is the art and the writing works so good here uh and the, and the lettering as, as you're reading it it just flows right and Wally goes, yeah, the last time you would like that or wanted that, you're pregnant. And she goes, yeah, I was pregnant. And just the look of shock on both of their faces as they're putting it together, I thought was a really, really fun moment. So, um, but but yeah, I mean, it helps to know your Flash lore, right? And that, like the last time she had powers, it's because of Iris and Jay. So yeah. it's kind of um, weird, though, that she never thought of that as a possibility before now. No, but to be fair that she's, you know, she was busy writing this book uh, while he's been <laughs> gone into the Speed Force. You know, it's been a pretty chaotic sense. So uh, just real quick about those logos. The Bullet logo ended in 05. Uh, okay. So the Spinny logo went from 05 to 2012. So, yep. And now we have we have the really classic I like this from 2016. Yeah, I like the Spin logo a lot. It's actually kind of a shame it only lasted like seven years. Yeah. But I am so, glad the peel one didn't last that long, though, because that peel yeah, one sucked. The peel one's, like, easily the worst. Because um, they all, they're all kind of these round bullet ones up until that peely one, and it sticks yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Like a sore thumb. So. Now, the peel one was solid. I like the peel one a little bit more, but, yeah, the bullet one's solid. Uh, and then, obviously, the current one, I think, is a good sort of middle ground of classic. The current one, I, I really like. Yeah. So it's very classic feeling. Oh, that's cool. All right. Uh, what are you giving a flash annual twenty twenty two? I'm gonna give this uh, an eight point five. I had oh. a lot of fun with it. I think I'm gonna swap B and go eight out of ten on this. Uh, but so. I think it was a nice uh, exploration of Wally and Linda's relationship, kind of reestablishing it for for people who maybe don't know too much of the history, and even some fun new stuff for me to discover that I didn't know about the Linda's first appearance, which is nice, and uh, sets them up on their their new chapter. So, uh. So possibly a, a a third Wally West child coming into the mix, or maybe two more. Oh yeah, it could be twins. But this this for their sake, this point. hope just one. Yeah, I always <laughs> feel like they were twins because of the whole tornado twins homage. That 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 Johns yeah, it had to have been Johns uh, that bring that brought them in. Um, him playing so yeah, just another one, you know. But which. Or is he gonna name him Jesse? You know, uh, gonna, what other Flash family members can they be named after? Max. Max uh, ways. Ace. <laughs> we'll just make Wallace. things. We'll just make things confusing though, because that means there's technically yeah. Wallys. <laughs> yeah. So. Wally, Wally Junior, and Wallace. But it's really, I really like the fact that they're really doubling down on Wally as the family man, because he always was kind of like this blue collar superhero. And just the fact that he's at the the wife and kids at home, 
Mm. You know, and and like his best friend's Nightwing, who's you know that's kind of like him and him and Babs are together, but his family structure is a little bit different. So he's kind of you know, you know, like Uncle Dick and, and whatnot. But yeah, it, it's the Flash family is one of my favorite things. Just the whole scope of them and adding to it. I'm not gonna be mad at that. No, I like the focus as well. And it does separate from the other characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you do have, um, you know, you you have Superman now with a, with a kid and yeah. a wife, but, uh, you know, typically they have rushed past the childhoods or whatever, whereas it feels like Wally has had the, the wife and kid that's dynamic as a main part yeah. of his character for a long time. And there's... And with John growing up, there is no other DC hero right now that has this type of structure yeah. in life. So it's and, actually... And I feel like with, with Damien, we could have had something like that, but he's growing up too, which they're doing really, really well. It, just, it makes Wally stick out against the other heroes. Yeah. And it's why he should yeah. be the Flash right now versus Barry, who would just be another, you know, yeah. guy. <laughs> and I'd much rather, as much as I like Barry and stuff, I Wally's my Flash. Like, that's who I grew up reading. And he just feels more natural. And... and Especially with someone like Jeremy Adams too, like who has a you can tell he has an appreciation for the character. Just him being excited because he's the one that I saw that tweeted out the the upcoming event that they're doing or story of the one minute war, and he just seems super excited to be writing Flash. Like you know, so uh, as long as he keeps it up, well the quality stays up. It's good. I'm glad you talked me into going back and catching up. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's another uh, Peter was right moment yep. in the annals of history. Well, it's one of those ones where it's just like, oh, I don't need to read Flash anymore. And then I kept hearing you talk about it. And I was like, this feels very much my jam. <laughs> I, should, I should get caught up. It was that and Catwoman. Those were the two I was stubborn on. And, you know, Catwoman was all-time man V-run. So. I convinced you to go see my Max Fury Road. I remember that as well when you were being stubborn about that. I, I just I feel like we're learning a lesson here, Matt, that you should listen to me when I tell you you will like something. Yeah, but you also told me that I was going to like Under the Skin, and I did not. However, I'll never forget that movie. I don't think I ever said you'd like it. I said you should watch it. And there yeah. is a distinct difference. Uh, I will say, that movie stays, has stuck with me. Of course it has. Whether I want it to or not. Of course you want it to. No, I don't. I want it out. It's under your skin. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Just genius. All right. Uh, that'll, that'll do for, for the flashback. All right. Uh, so everybody to patreon.com slash TV. The patrons can make myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. Uh, Connor's got his August books to do still, um, and I assume he'll record them separately. He, he may have done it this week if we had recorded anything this week, but we ended up not recording anything this week. Uh, so I have a couple though, um, to, to wrap up the show with, uh, American Vampire issue 29 being first on the docket. So last issue set up, Dracula was being hidden in, uh, the bridge and had been taken and, uh, Hobbs, I, yeah, uh, was freaking out about it, came to see Felicia. Uh, this issue, like, he explains, because she's like, Dracula's a fictional character, what are you talking about, you idiot? <laughs> and yeah. he explains. So it's very much an exposition issue, but it's very fascinating exposition. Uh, because, you know, he right away he starts talking about the, like, what he really is. That, you know, th- this guy named Stoker based his character on, on a real thing. And Dracula is the original uh, Car- Carthapian vampire. And 
he has this control over them. A any vampire from his species within a thousand miles he can control. And... Seems like bad news for everybody involved in this book. It, it really does. He yeah. talks about how it's kind of a mystery how he became a vampire. No one really knows for sure. Uh, some people think he used to be this lord in uh, Romania. Some people think he was just a pig farmer. But no one's really sure. And there's a great, great uh, thing here. This page, this two-page layout... Is all like sort of like you know documents and drawings from olden times, like going along with the narration. And one of them is very Nosferatu of like when he's killed the village and it's just like silhouette. And I'm like, oh yeah, so he's really it's really playing up to like vampire, uh, kind of like lore, lore and legacy and all yeah. that stuff. Uh, so it's really cool. And what's interesting is he talks about how the reason why a lot of the other species, not the American vampire, because that's newer, obviously than Dracula. But a lot of the older species of vampire, the reason why they're so rare, and there's not that many of them anymore, is because Dracula actually went to war with them. And we get this great two-page layer again of, like, Dracula commanding his army of vampires to fight all these other, like, older-looking gargoyle vampires and shit. And the modern vassals at the time, which did exist, they kind of just let it happen, because, like, well, he's kind of doing our job for us. And the Carthapians aren't actually that big a deal. Like, they're weaker than the other vampires. They're not as strong. Like, this is good for us, almost. But, as it would turn out, they kind of underestimated him. And, like, he would keep spreading his power. He would keep getting more forces. Um, you know, he talks about how, like, the, you know, the, all, these, all these other vampires would be his drones. But he would start spreading throughout Europe. And the way they actually captured them is it was when he was on, his sh on the ship on the way to England when he was in the coffin, they were able to take the ship and kill him while he slept uh, just as the sun was going down. Um, he didn't actually die, but they drained his blood and they staked him in the heart and they kept him in this coffin in a tomb in the bridge. And it's like, okay, so this is all very fascinating. That's part of the Dracula book is like his journey to, to England. So like, there's some stuff that sort of mixes in with that, which is really cool if you're a fan of that story. But then some other really cool stuff starts to happen is like, well, it's like, well, how do you know he's still alive? And it's like, well, because there's a force, there's like an evil force coming from the, from the coffin. Like anyone who's around the coffin for too long, like gets these dark thoughts. And it tells the story of this duke, um, part of the royal family. The royal family went to visit uh, the, the tomb under the bridge. And this duke wanted to actually see the body. And months after he saw the body, he murdered a bunch of prostitutes in Whitechapel. And I'm like, did you just casually say that the, the force of Dracula created Jack the Ripper? Because that's what it sounds like you just did. Because <laughs> uh, that's what he said. <laughs> uh, anytime there's the death of prostitutes in uh, in uh, Whitechapel, then there you go. Yep. So, so yeah, bringing in some you know real life mysteries and sort of like tying them into the vampire lore. This is just Scott Snyder just like practically masturbating, which is like all this vampire shit and like making it all click together in a way that's really fascinating. Um, and Hobbes is shit scared. Like he's out there somewhere and we don't know like, you know, if he's woken up yet, what he's going to do, who's taking him. Um, anyway, it sets up a little bit of awkwardness here where uh, Felicia's son, uh, kind of hears some of this and is scared and she tries to reassure him. And Felicia feels that she should still be a part of this fight. Um, and that, you know, everyone's in danger if, you know, Dracula gets out. And then it gets to the, the other part of this is, like, who's who's got him? And what they're tying this into is the Cold War, because it's the Soviets who have come after Dracula. So he's not woken up yet, 
but there we see these two Soviets waiting the delivery of Dracula. So the the guy, uh, what was his name again? Um, da, 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 da. it says even general. Where is he? Uh, Mr. Glass, yeah, so Mr. Glass was the one that was in the last issue. He's like uh, his Rainfield, basically, the one who can, like, talk for him and is like his servant. So we find out here that basically the Soviets ha- have a lot of Carpathian vampires, right? He refers to it as a natural resource. He compares it to Americans and tobacco and says that we have to find a way to make use of our natural resource, and this is our way of doing it, is to you get, somehow getting Dracula on their side to control all the vampires. So, really interesting. And, you know, this is actually kind of not even a first for the book, because we saw how uh, in World War II, uh, the Japanese army were, were messing, or the Nazis were messing mm-hmm. with, with vampires and try yeah. to use them. So, this is in not... castle. So this I this constant idea of wars like leading to like uh, governments trying to use vampires as, as a form of weaponry is really interesting did they ever touch on the civil war i know they were in the the old west and that's Uh, no they they did briefly yeah there was i think it was beast in the cave okay oh was that pre-civil war that may have been pre-civil war but yeah that was around that time period so so i'm wondering because in you know the book abraham lincoln vampire hunter which was adapted into a very middling movie they they touch on you know the, the vampires driving force behind that so i'm wondering if uh Snyder purposely stayed away from that, so it didn't look like he was cribbing. But yeah, mm. them popping up in every other war is a nice touch. Yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, and Mr. Glass requests that he have a moment alone with Dracula, and the Russians say, "Well, you have to be naked. You can't feed them anything." Like, yeah, you know, they're very strict about it. Uh, so he goes towards the coffin, butt ass naked, opens the coffin, and it turns out he has smuggled a dead rat in to like, uh. <sighs> you know drain the blood into dracula's mouth which the art here looks gorgeous they just the drip of blood going into the silhouette of dracula's mouth uh really effective and moody but do, do you want to know how he smuggled it in don't tell me don't I, is it what i think it is <laughs> well there's two two places you could put it yeah ideally yeah. or uh, ideally there's nothing ideal about this nothing uh, ideal uh no he coughs it up he swallowed it and okay. coughs it up uh that's a, that's a lot better than the other option. I don't know. That sounds quite disgusting. Tasting this in your mouth. Yeah, but that. Yeah, but still. I mean, I can't taste from my anus. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> I ain't gonna yuck anyone's yum, but you know. I think the mouth's more disgusting, personally. But I mean, yeah. open to debate. Tell us in the comments yeah. what's more disgusting. Um. So. Yeah, so basically, as the the blood starts to drip into Dracula's mouth, you see like this page of like vampires around Europe all starting to like sense something, like their their eyes are all going red, and they can all feel something. Um, and then you see Felicia's son in bed, sort of like tossing and turning in this like red. It's it's all it's like a red cross like over the top of him, and it's just and the the black silhouette of Dracula is at the top of it. It's it's, it's hard to describe the page, but it's a really smart bit of art. Uh, like Dracula is now in his head, and the cliffhanger of the issue is that Felicia's son, which, if you remember, is uh, you know, the, the detective son, uh, Coogan. son, it's yeah, Gus. uh, he comes in with a butcher knife and says that he needs to kill Hobbes, he's compelled to do it. So, this like sort of makes it more personal. Is like the, this kid is now being affected by Dracula's influence because he was a vampire, even if he's technically not one anymore uh super fascinating uh I, I i this is a really smart issue i liked it even more in the last issue i think after a couple of you know decent arcs but not amazing arcs i think this is like one of the best arts in the book so far 
because it really sets up the the dread of Dracula, uh, all of the history and how it's like woven into real life and the, the 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 background of the vassals and all that is super fascinating. And then you have this extra hook of this kid who was supposed to have escaped vampirism is now some in some way feeling it and on yep. some level can still be connected to by Dracula. So it puts him at risk again, which gives you the emotional hook of like, oh shit, they need to solve this because there's someone we kind of care about who might be affected by it. So yeah. good stuff. Because he's, he's effectively like Blade, right? Because his mom got bit while she was pregnant, right? Well, yeah, but he got cured though because they had the one cure. Okay, that's right. So he got cured, but so he's like a vampire, like three steps removed. Because oh, yeah. before he got the cure, he was like a little baby monster. He wasn't growing yeah. up because he was a vampire. Right. Uh, I remember that. That's why I was going to say he was kind of Blade-esque, but, but more monstrous. And then, uh, but yeah, him being, I don't think I ever made it this far. I think this is where oh, I stopped getting the trades. So this is all new to me. So hearing Gus is kind of controlled is, is crazy. Yep. So... It's a hell of a cliffhanger, and you know it takes everything that sounded cool in the previous pages and made it personal and gave it stakes within the characters and the story. And I always say this about stories: that it's one thing to say the world's going to end, but I have to care about a character or two in that world for it to mean something. Uh, and good writing will always do that. So this is a case of that this doing that. It's like okay, the the world's doomed because Dracula's up. Okay, now it's actually on our doorstep. Now it's affecting someone close to us. Effective. Uh, like I said, the art is gorgeous. The way it builds up to Dracula, the way it does the the old drawings of like you know the you know centuries gone by when Dracula when all you have is like these drawings of like what might have happened with Dracula, uh, super effective. Really builds the mystique about it. Um, this is this was a phenomenal. I'm giving this a nine point five. That this was fantastic. Is this wait? Which trade is this? Uh, I I want to say. Oh, I can tell you in a second. Uh, five. Let's just trade five. Oh, so maybe I need to go back and because I have up to trade six. So oh, there you go. On the shelf. But none of this seems familiar to me. So maybe it didn't sink in. I did read them very close back to back. Um. So, but yeah, I might maybe I'm going to revisit this now. They're all sitting there. Uh oh! Now I have to vamp after American Vampire. This is crazy. Oh, there he is. Yeah, sorry. Wesker okay. uh, being troublesome. Um, so there you go. That's American Vampire. Actually, 29. Yeah. Isn't Wesker the villain of, of Resident Evil? He is, yeah. Yeah, uh, that checks out then. <laughs> you named him appropriately. All right. Animal Man, issue 23 is my other Patreon book. Um, So last issue, we had Animal Man go back in time. Uh, also stuff with Psycho Pirate and all the meta stuff was starting to like rile up, so... Uh, there's a few things going on in this issue that's mostly big setup stuff for next issue, uh, which is not to say it's not exciting uh, in a lot of ways because it is. It's maybe not as like jaw dropping as a couple of the recent issues, uh, but everything it's doing is, is pretty solid. Psycho Pirate's got his mask back on. He's getting all excited about uh, uh, all the worlds returning that we lost in Crisis, and he starts seeing like f- sort of like almost ghosts of other universes that were lost. There's like a super cat. I don't know if it's maybe streaky per se, but it's it's got a heat vision and stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe it is streaky. Uh, and he, he, you know, Jonathan Crane's like, "Hey, let me out of my cell," and he's like, "Nope, you're such a simple, dull villain. I'm having no part of that." But he walks in and he finds Ultraman and various other characters who were lost when Crisis, like you know, took away all the other worlds. 
So Ultraman as an evil Superman from Earth Three, Ultraman. Uh, yeah, this is an old school. This is an old school looking outfit, though. Yeah. Um, I'm used to the uh, the newer one, which is basically just Superman's outfit with a U. Right. Uh, this this has got the big blue collar and yeah. the orange cape. Um, but yeah, so so this is like setting all this stuff up, and he's talking, and he's, he's you know, Psycho Pirate talks to the the reader a little bit. Uh, talk, talks to these characters who were who were forgotten and lost. Um, meanwhile, Dr. Highwater, who he was the one that uh, took Animal Man on the journey. He was the doctor that was fading away and took Animal Man on the, the trip up the, the cliff to, uh, to see what was going on with them. Uh, well, the alien dudes have shown up to talk to him, uh, and they want to help, <laughs> they want to help deal with something, uh, help deal with what's going on. Uh, and they actually go to Arkham at one point, and Arkham is like fading in and out of existence, and every time it fades away and comes back, it's like a different universe's Arkham Asylum, so the building keeps changing. So it's a really cool idea, actually. Uh, the idea that it's uh, like all the universes are starting to fluctuate and like something's unstable. You, you really get that sense of it. Um, so, yeah. And meanwhile, uh, when Alan Lamb was in the past, he encountered Phantom Stranger, who this issue takes him to um, a couple of immortals uh, that he meets with uh, occasionally. Vandal Savage and Jason Blood of all people, um, but they're in the seventies, so like Jason Blood's, uh, like well, they're both kind of hippie looking, to be honest. Um, so they're they're like excited to hear about his trauma and why what, all the tragedy he suffered. Um, Animal Man's obviously not very thrilled about talking about it, uh, but you know it, it's that that's kind of like one plot thread that's going on here. Um, you have Psycho Pirate dealing with Ultraman. Uh, Ultraman's demand to know like what happened to his world and things like that. Um, but Psycho Pirate's talking about more guests. There's more guests on the way, and more things are coming. Um, and I don't think it's an accident. And the, the, on the next scene in the seventies with Animal Man, um, we get this thing where like a butterfly is like flying around the scene because you know the butterfly effect is obviously something that's talked a lot about mm-hmm. a lot in time travel. Um, and it's very cruel here because you you have um one of the characters crushes it. And Animal Man's like, what are you doing? Why, why did you do that? Um, and, you know, it's Savage just... Or I think it's Jason Blood. Uh, no, it's Savage, sorry. He was talking about how... Oh, I mean, maybe I, it's just reincarnated. And it's, I've just sent it to its next stage of its life and and all the rest of it. Uh, and then Grant Morrison starts pulling the weirdest shit out of continuity, which I'm sure are all 100% real things. Um, there's a... Was this Uberman Axis America? There's an alternate version of the Spectre. There's a Batman and Robin who's the Batman and Robin, and Robin's bald, and Batman looks all kind of crazy. And then there's Sunshine Superman, which I'm sure I've seen Sunshine Superman before. Yeah, these are all like famous, like Silver Age yeah. stories, which this all checks out. This is all very Grant Morrison because if you think about like his Batman run, pulling from all that stuff. And then multiversity. This almost feels like a proto multiversity. So, yeah, in some ways. Uh, and then the last couple here are Speed Freak and Magic Lantern, who's like a hippie green lantern in a t-shirt. Uh, you know, this is the Thrill Killer universe. Thing. Oh, there you go. So that's where um, they are because you kept seeing hippies, and now I just remember the the Speed Demon. What would you say, Speed Freak? Speed Freak. Being from that Earth. I'm gonna find this out. You keep talking. I'm gonna find out what. All right, all right. It's supposed to be. Uh, yeah. So, you know, all this is going on, and 
Buddy, of course, is like, I've heard all this crap before. Uh, my wife and children are still dead. Like, none of this is helping me. Um, but, you know, they, they kind of give him this pep talk that ultimately Animal Man kind of has to choose if he still wants to be a force for good or not. And if that can give him some kind of like, uh, you know, purpose. Like, can he have a purpose again? Um, you know, uh, Jason Blood's like, you know, life needs you to go on fighting and not sit back while they build more bombs and uh, bulldoze more trees. You know, this idea that he can still be a force for something good. Uh, so he fades back into the into the present. Um, more characters are showing up at Arkham, uh, and now uh, Doctor Highwaters with one of the aliens uh, comes in to Arkham. He asks where the other aliens went, and he says to to Animal Man's house. So you're expecting to see him show up again as well. Um, we see another Superman here. Uh, Overman uh, shows up. Uh, That's the Nazi Superman, right? Yeah. Uh, so they talk about him, and we see some, you know, brutal examples of his world and killing people. And um, he wants to drop a a huge bomb on the world to destroy everything, and he still kind of wants to do that. Um, and then things get super meta when Psycho Pirate convinces Ultraman to try and break out of the comic panel. So Ultraman starts like, you know, pushing up against the edge of the panel, which starts to bend, mm-hmm. and then he actually sort of like breaks through and falls into the white. Uh, which is a really neat, silly thing. And that's when Overman kind of joins them and says, I've got the bomb, I've got the bomb, he, 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 he. And he's got these red eyes. He looks super, like, de- demented. Uh, so everything's, like, sort of... Hit- shit's hitting the fan, basically. And the alien says, where is Animal Man? And then the final page is the other alien showing up with Animal Man. Full page spread, he says, it's okay, I'm here. The idea that Animal Man may be the one to save the day here. Um, honestly, it's a, it's a hard issue to kind of, like break down in a lot of ways because it's bouncing around these three different plots that all kind of coalesce at the end um it's very much a lot of setup for whatever's going to happen next issue with animal man actually finally interacting with all these meta characters and these meta ideas because he was kind of on his own but i do think there's an interesting sort of thematic device at play here where you know you've got animal man at his worst basically having this existential crisis of everything matters and now we're going to tie that into a plot where literally the subject of does our world matter because it's just made up it's just this written reality from somewhere else so cheerful nihilism yeah so sort of tying those things together is kind of fascinating and sort of exploring you know if these characters find meaning especially animal man but if they can find meaning in their existence it doesn't matter where they come from or something you know something like that yeah i can see kind of the bit of an uplifting message by the end of this um or maybe it'll just go full nihilist i i I don't know at this point so yeah, so they're on Earth 47, um, which is the psychedelic Earth with the immortal teenage president as Rickard finances its champions, the love syndicate of Dreamworld, all is groovy. So yeah, this came from this came from Animal Man number 23. So there there you go. Excellent. So all, all very and that they came from the multiverse uh guidebook. Um so yeah, so again, this man Morrison's been doing this type of stuff forever. Certainly likes these ideas. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, uh, yeah so this is good. I probably only give this one like a seven because I do, I do feel kind of it, it very much feels like a setup issue with a lot of different things. Even though some of the the wacky characters showing up is kind of entertaining, and I like kind of what it's building to. But it's not as standout and like as satisfying an issue on its own as some of the issues that have been building up to this, which have been excellent. And I imagine what some of the ones coming up are probably going to be excellent. 
so it's okay. That is perfectly fine, but it's not, it's not as standout enough on its own. So uh, probably just give this one like a, a, a solid seven, I would say, as opposed to a, a super high rating. But uh, there you go. That's my Patreon books, uh, which will take us out of the part of the show where we normally pick our favorite art uh, cover uh, and you know, rank our, our top five books. We only had two this week, though. So we could do panel slash moment. Uh, we can maybe talk about covers. Uh, but I mean, <laughs> I don't think ranking is, is, is important when you only have two books. So uh, yeah. What was your moment of the week, Matt? So it's a toss-up. It's either from The Flash, and at the end, I really, really loved that. It's either from The Flash or Superman? I could yep. never have seen that coming. No. Um, but the the moment where they realize that Linda might be pregnant is really good. However, the 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 not silhouette, if you will, of, of Superman getting punched into the sky by Mongol only for the heat vision to kick in is also really good. Um, so I'm going to give uh, it to that from the Superman story. Yeah. Um, I can't really argue with that too much, to be honest. Uh, the ending's also pretty good. Uh, the moment where um, Apollo is kind of tricked into like fixing himself is really good. Mm-hmm. So, I think having said all that, I'm going to go with the moment in Flash where Wally quotes the book at Linda, and it makes her smile, just because it's kind of sweet, mm-hmm. and I'll just go That's with that. Uh, as for covers, uh, honestly, it's probably just the main cover for Superman War World Apocalypse, although I also like the, it's like a slightly different version of the same cover by Steve Beach. Uh, yep. it's, it's more faded. I kind of like it that. It looks like a, a pulp yeah. novel. I mean, honestly, I feel like they're kind of even in quality, to be honest. So I'll just say the main one. But uh, you know, the Michael Yannon cover is also quite nice, but it's not not as cool looking as the as the main cover. Yeah. Uh, so, so the one I picked up is the the Steve Beach. Um, it, oh, it looks cool. all tattered and faded. It's the main cover. Um, yeah, it's Steve Beach, right? Or Steve Beach, the other one? No, Steve no, Beach is the fa- the faded one. Yeah, there it goes. Another yeah. one. So yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go with the distress cardstock variant sure. on that one. Uh, so so. It's just it's a cool cover. Superman's got his cape and his Warworld outfit on, and he's mm-hmm. kind of punching Warworld that's up above. It just it's a really iconic looking cover. Yeah. Uh, it's always funny. We only have two books, and only one of them has variants because the annuals don't get variants. So we, nope. we don't even have a lot of covers to look at. <laughs> I I looked at some of the other ones too, and like Bell Reeve, I don't think had any right. Yeah. So, which which yeah. isn't irregular for a week five. A lot of these yeah. annuals don't usually get variants, so it is what it is. Uh, so. Yeah, uh, and art's a really funny one to judge actually because Superman's got a mix of artists and Flash. So I think inherently I give it to Flash because it's consistent. Me too. And in all is it consistent? It's consistent in that it changes style when it wants to for the book to look different yep. from the regular art. So I think I have to give it to Flash overall. Yep. Okay. That, that's where I was at too. As good as some of the moments in Superman are, and they're handled really well, um, it's just more consistent across Flash. Well, in that case, I will tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So, here we go. Also, I've gotten dollar as the shows went on. I actually lean forward at the light. Uh, so, now here's the next week's books from DC. We got Batman 127. We got Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths, issue 4. Flashpoint Beyond, issue 5. Oh boy, I can't wait to see how that wraps up. Uh, Poison Ivy, issue 4. Batman Beyond New Year, issue 6. The New Champion of Shazam, issue 2. Really excited to get the next one of that. Uh, Sword of Azrael issue 2, Batman Dear Detective issue 1. Uh, is this so, 
That's the the, the one that's made up of all the covers. Okay, yeah. okay, interesting. That, that's $8, and looking at the rest of the books that are out next week, I'm skipping that. Uh, Sure. I, I don't know. I, I, I may read it. I may not. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see if I take a, a moment of uh, inspiration. Uh, then we got Dark Knights of Steel, Tales from the Three Kingdoms, issue one. So this is a, a one-shot. Uh, kind of in the same way that uh, Human Target just got a one-shot that kind of ended Yeah, they're, they're building this as a prequel, if you will. It's, it's what happened before the series started. So um, I'm enjoying Dark Knights of Steel, so I'm curious to see what they do here. Yeah, we got Multiverse 18, Justice issue four, Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, issue four, Black Adam, Just Society Files, Atom Smasher, issue one, they've been doing those. And then Batman Nightwatch issue one. So yeah. that is uh, all that's coming out from DC next week. Honestly, Matt, I was expecting... You, when you said there was a lot next week, this is not that much. No, no, but there's some... some So, like, I don't know. What what else could have came out here? So, like, the, the Dark Knight of Steel could have came out this this week. And that could have given us something else to read, you know? Or, or even Dear Detective. If Dear Detective had come out this week, I might have picked it up. I mean, I only have five books or six if I read Dear Detective. Next week's not a big week. <laughs> I, I have six. One, two... Oh, you got Poison Ivy, so yeah, you, you got yeah, six. Yeah, three, but, four, five, six. So. That's not, that's but not, also, that's it's going to be a big, meaty conversation with, with Dark Crisis, right? Like, I'm sure we'll, we'll have a lot to say on that one. Um, Batman, I'm sure. Shazam. So. Oh yeah, we're moving the goalpost now. It's not a big week. You set me up thinking there was going to be a huge list at the end of this show. That is not a huge list. Well, there's also Dear Detective. I saw that one, and either you or Connor would read that. So uh, um, who? I saw eight dollars, and I'm I'm being chased. So yeah. Who's Connor? What are we talking about? Yeah, are you saying I'm the only one that remembers Connor? Apparently so. Is this happening again? Like Twin Peaks, it is happening again. <laughs> yeah, get back to watching Twin Peaks, you schmuck. Hey, if I can watch Saul, then I'll get back to Twin Peaks. Oh dear. All I, right. I can't stand to watch Saul because I doesn't I don't have a detention span. There ain't no way Twin Peaks is getting watched. Alright, I'll tell you this time. Thank our Patreon producers for the month. Thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordner, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Tradesman, and Alison M. Fordice. Uh, they are, are upper tier patrons, but you can obviously support us for as any amount you want over at patreon.com slash TV. At the $5 tier, specifically, you get the show sometime on a Saturday night versus the Sunday. Uh, whenever it's ready and out the oven, you, you get it. So uh, go and have a look and see if that interests you. If, and, you know, if you want to support the content and the podcast, uh, you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all that stuff. Comment, share us out on Twitter. We're at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, and, you know, just generally... You know, do, 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 do things like that. All of it does help, but we do appreciate it. Uh, but that is the show. That is episode uh, three, two, one, and you know, it's a weird week because because uh, it's the fifth week. But hey ho, we'll be back with a, a regular episode next time. Um, maybe maybe there'll be a third person. Who knows if uh, the ginger will rematerialize? But that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Thank you.